Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When I say rehash, you say chicka chicka. Yes, please. Vuitam from, uh, from Poland. Not from Poland, sorry. I'm back. Back in the LDN, the big smoke. The bureaucrats, the fat cats and the bureaucrats. Touchdown last night from Amsterdam. So we started, we started off the gigs in um, in Poland in Krakow, lovely place. If you haven't been, I highly recommend it. Beautiful place, the old town. We played there at a, a film festival, which was wildly successful. A, a good few directors come up after it, uh, asking to make, you know, sort of like the can, I suppose the Kanye documentary, to follow us around. Um, mainly, I suppose, me as opposed to Daz and Jamie. Um, you know, my story, a lot of them said, seemed a lot more interesting, a lot more, just a lot more charisma about, you know, the way I carry myself. But, I mean, I said to them in the meeting, uh, you know, Daz and Jamie are both important to me. So, it would it would, be, it would be good to include them. So, so we're in talks, we're in talks to see how it goes. I think it's probably more of an Amazon Prime, Disney Plus than Netflix. But, you know, money talks, see what happens, see what they donate to the Patreon. Anyway, that was class, the film festival was meant it. From then, we, what did we do, fuck? We flew again. <laughs> oh, fuck. We uh, we had a priority boarding situation. So, I mean, when Jamie comes back on this, we'll let him defend himself, but, so the festival booked the flights, right? So, uh, they they kind of take care of, you know, sorting your hotel, getting the flights, all that stuff. You just kind of need to show up with the gear, put in a groundbreaking performance which is <clears throat> we do that shit in our sleep right so um, but they've booked this priority boarding so Jamie has this thing which irritates the fucking life out of me where he he won't go on the plane until the last minute so I kind of see in some sense I see where he's coming from like why is everybody queuing we've got a seat that's what we fucking paid for why are we queuing we're all getting on this plane but he waits to the very last fucking minute and it gets a bit sketch, you know, gate closing and all that. Anyway, priority boarding. So Jamie's phone's fucked. So Paul, to the manager, Paul, 
has got his boarding pa- Jamie's boarding pass on the phone. He needs Paul to go on the plane. Paul has to be by Jamie's side at all times for the flight. So Jamie's like, no way am I going on that now, man. No way. I'm away for a fag in the smoking area here. Paul's like, well, I'm going on the plane, so you're not. And this caused a big fucking scene. So it's only fair that I let him explain it when he comes and, and defend himself. But needless to say, he's forced on this plane, early doors, walking by, people queuing, and that's like, he hates that. As if it's like, mate, he's better than them, that kind of vibe. He hates that. So we're all giving it like, but this guy here, he loves priority board, and that's his favourite thing. He'll never, he'll not go on a flight without priority board, and he just won't do it. And then we're sitting in the plane giving it, man, you'd plenty of time to go for a fag. Now you could have smoked a full 20 deck, you know that? So he's fucking, he's so raging. But I let him, I let him defend himself when he comes back. But that was, that was my favourite thing about that flight. Maybe my favourite thing actually about the, the whole week away, is bamming Jamie up a bit, priority board. But anyway, there's plenty about that trip that we'll discuss when we're together again as a unit, you know. But we just want to keep these casts coming weekly. And, you know, there's loads of messages we get all the time with people kind of like discovering the podcast, kind of coming to it now. So while we're on that and it's rehash season, <laughs> where we're not together, because Jamie's currently in Barcelona running a marathon, which will be a story in itself. Daz is about to jet to New York. I'm back in London about to assemble a baby cot. But while we've got you, we decided to put out one of the stories that's going to get the most the most streams, the most plays. Um, it's about the time we were headlining Teen in the Park. Yeah, we were headlining the BBC Introducing stage at Teen in the Park. Jamie goes up a couple of days before it and gets fucking launched out for getting up to some... Silly activities, which you, if you if you don't know the story, it will explain it all uh, in, in the rest of this episode. So, well, we've got you. Fucking welcome back for rehash season. Thank you for listening. Join us on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the LaFontaines. Yeah, just type in the LaFontaines Patreon on Google and fucking donate, man. Donate your, your hard-earned crust. And we'll be back with the boys probably not next week. Because Daz is still in New York, but the week after that, we're back, full team, talking some shit. But uh, in the meantime, enjoy. Peace, love, and unity. Tell the nation, Tiger Pal. Cat. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's the summer of 2013, 
the band has just been asked to headline the BBC stage on the Sunday night at Scotland's infamous Teen Park Festival. At the time, it was to be her most prestigious gig of her so far uphill career. It's due to be filmed for the telly, and the band, as well as all my aunties, are pure excited. There's been a right good bit of PR and online hype surrounding the gig, and there is no room for error here. This is one crucial fucking show. The previous four or five years of the festival, one of my best friends, Johnny, had organised a coach to go back and for it up to the site. This bus, coined affectionately as the Five Skin Express, was of near-mythical reputation for total unhinged chaos. Such was the popularity of the Five Skin Express. This year, Johnny had upgraded to three coaches from one, and it was due to leave around 10am on a Thursday from the Old Wisher Market site. Due to the legendary status of this travelling experience, there were nutters of all ages booking with Johnny, who actually lived further away than the expected 90 minutes drive. I'd never been on the bus, always travelling up with the rest of the band. This year was got to be different though. We weren't playing till the Sunday night, and we had no gigs or any more rehearsals beforehand. I couldn't wait to sample this documentary-worthy trip of a lifetime. Are you fucking up in that Johnny's bus? was the general consensus for the rest of the group on unveiling my decadent pilgrimage idea. Already aware of previous stories of arrests, missing persons, near fatalities, pregnancies, the band thought it'd be seriously unwise for me to go up so early, but I wanted a large slice of the action that this bus had promised. Unadulterated mayhem. Somehow, I managed to charm them all into the idea that I would meet them on the Sunday. They knew my inhuman skill we'd been able to drink long periods of time without inducing hangovers. A hangover I've since discovered is your body's way of saying that your liver is working and is not happy with the treatment you bestow upon it. I had to promise that I'd be fit for the Sunday, which was fine. I knew how important this gig was to everybody, and so I reserved my space on my friend's 56-seater. Thursday morning's glorious sunshine arrives and I've got my things packed for the weekend. Except for the jeans and paisley pattern shirt that I'd already slept in in the previous night, I had an Aldi bag with only a hoodie and a toothbrush. I tend to travel as lightly as possible. I've never taken a tent to a festival and I always arrogantly and optimistically think it'll be alright. I'd absolutely fuck all money, which is fine. I'd brought my guitar to the meet-up point and played some Oasis songs before the bus departure. Made it with 80 schmeckles, due to the fact that word had spread that one of the guys in the headline bands was going up, and he was totally devoid of any sweet moolah. Happy days, thought little old me, as I treat oneself to a packet of 20 Marlborough and a bottle of holy tonic wine. The wishy press guy comes and takes a big group 40, and my mum was even there to wave the bus off, like a primary school trip as the bus departed. My dad and her would be up at tea in the park on the Sunday night to cheer me on. Five minutes in, and it's already pandemonium. People jumping over seats, setting fire to all sorts of things and hairstyles. CD cases with various powders being shared like Jesus in the 5000. Spirits are at an all-time high as the tunes are turned up to 12 and empty cans are being launched in the direction of the driver. He's been paid handsomely and knows the drill, so fuck him. This is truly a spectacle to behold. Never seen the likes. People in the bus are genuinely excited, it seems, for the set on Sunday night. The final act we'll see that weekend. I can't wait. 
I'm sure man, he's kind of either. The Fives Can Express arrives at its destination around midday and everyone wobbles merrily off the roller coaster into scorching hot weather. There's already been a few sickies, but it's a team effort here and 150 people come together to help move sledgefuls of tenants and granny trolleys laden with Class A's. Somebody's managed to lose their ticket and Johnny had gave them his as I reckoned it'd be fine to be able to wing him in at the box office with a guest because I'm a fucking rock star. No sweat for Keenan here. Sure enough, we managed to enter the festival, no bother. Johnny and myself each given the access all year as artist pass. I could have probably get my aunties in as well, such as my charm and the report with the staff. We get through the gate and all of our pals are at the other side of this gigantic festival site, so we start the expedition north to where half the town of Wishy has begun to settle for the weekend. Johnny actually managed to get knocked in with a bus hilariously. It was his confused expression when he looked about in the dust as to see what the fuck happened. I'll never forget that. One of the funniest things I've ever seen. Continuing on, we bump into all sorts of folk that we know. Everyone with delicious anticipation for the weekend ahead. Fucking gas, it's got to be amazing. When we arrived to base camp in Red 2, which has now been rechristened Wishy, everyone's got tents set up and settling in. Lo and behold, it seems I've got more than plenty of options for places to sleep, and I place my toothbrush and hoodie in a blue two-man tent with my wee pal Marky. There's no live music at the festival until Friday afternoon, so there's nothing else for it but to drink and soak up the merry dangerous atmosphere as more revelers arrive and Wishy expands to include the territories of Red 1 and Red 3. I'll give a wee shout out here to my pal Chelsea, who reminds me it was Red 2 that we camped at as she just handed me a caramel latte. At the precise moment, I've just realised I've evolved there in everything that I hate. Writing a book in a coffee shop like a total fucking wanker. Now I'm recording a podcast like a, a total fucking wanker. Anyway, the rest of the day passes without much event. I drank, fell asleep several times, dropped copious amounts of shite, and visited other friends I knew who opted to sensibly set up at various other parts of the campsite. At some point, someone has given me a couple of Valium, and throughout the night, I remember very little. I really fucking hate Valium. I've only took them two or three times and I always black out. I strongly advise people not to take these, especially mixed with the booze. It's about 10 o'clock on Friday morning, and the sun is back out in ferocious fervour. People are beginning to stir, brushing teeth and getting £9 bacon rolls and maybe cracking open a can or whatever. My mind is on getting water, but fuck paying for it for the 60 pesetas left in my jeans. So I'm having a wee walk to somewhere to fill up a big empty bottle and quench my skinny frame. I know that I was smoking a wee joint somebody gave me, but there's not much left and I'm ready to throw it. But it was enough for PC Plod and his apprentice with the big ears like plugs to ask me to have a wee search of my person. Fair enough, I complied knowing that I didn't have anything else dodgy on me. The coppers were cool, letting me know that the wee spliff was fine, as long as I had no other contraband. After a thorough pat-down, they tell me that I'm free to go. Enjoy yourself, they say afore, tell me to wait a wee minute. At this point, PC Pod procures a big bag of white powder 
be the pockets in my paisley pattern. Fuck. What's this, the inquire? And I've honest to God, no idea where it's came from or what it even is. Just a big bag of white powder. I'm also mangled for the two Valium I've taken as they begin to take their horrid effect. The two polos steer me into this wee tent to take my details and I'm slurring out total fucking nonsense to them whilst trying to proclaim my innocence. As they cut off the pass from my wrist and prepare to escort me off the site, I tell them that I'm playing in a band this weekend. Ah, what band? I were called the La Fontaines. We're getting filmed for the BBC. My auntie's not that. I've got to be watching on the telly. I reckon that this was one way of redeeming myself into the salvation of VIP safety. As it turns out, it was a big mistake. The prick with the big ears, like a pogo stick, goes to say something on his radio, whilst the other copper says, Shouldn't have told us that, son. The prick is walkie-talkie through to the organisers that the LaFontaine's drummer has been blacklisted from the site. I'm outside the gates, and I walk around to the box office where I try and find my manager, Artie, who's working at the festival in some port cabin. I wastedly try and explain to her what's happened, and she's telling me to fuck off home, and she'll try her best to get it sorted. She's been informed by this time of my situation. She's livid, but she's also sympathetic. She tells me to get to my bed because I can hardly talk. I go to sleep, but just know in my bed. I have a kip near where all the buses are dropping people off. I don't know what time it is when I wake up, but instead of going home, I get up and walk around the perimeter of the festival, trying to find some way of sneaking in. The security guys in the towers can see me sneaking about the bushes like a cat, clearly miles away from anyone or anything. As you'd expect, I was not permitted entrance. The security and the police, having radioed around saying there was a guy with a Paisley pattern shirt, lost in the bushes, claiming to have an artist band. I wake up on the Saturday morning in my own bed, slightly groggy, but still hangover free. Wink, wink. I try to recall what I was up to the night before. Fuck! I check my phone and the band's group on Facebook at the time. No one is amused whatsoever. Hundreds of missed calls. They're calling for my figurative and literal head. Fuck, man. I don't even know how I got home. I'm filled with remorse on a scale that I've never had. I go downstairs and the parents are surprised to see me. I begin to cry. Maybe for the first time in my adult life. Because I'm just that fucking macho. Ask MD. And I explain to them what's happened. They show me some mercy and tell me that I'm a stupid, stupid boy. I really am a stupid, stupid boy. What shall my aunties think, I dread? The band have already got rehearsals going with another drummer, a guy called Dean Stewart, amazing, as it's looking highly unlikely that will be readmitted to Teen the Park. My place in the band is like Shane McGowan's teeth, something there, but essentially well and truly fucked. Shane McGowan's since got actually lovely teeth. Same with me. I'm instructed not to attend the band practice. The contempt would be too high anyway. I'm open about Wisha on a gorgeous day. I don't think I'd ever felt so low. But my manager, Artie, she phones to say that there's a good chance that I could still play the gig the next day. But I'd have to get a police escort to the stage 
him back out after the performance, which I think would maybe be the coolest entrance to a gig ever. Aesthetically, this would make me a super cool looking bad boy and solidify my macho reputation. I went out for a celebrity pint, unable to wait for the next day to be walked onto stage with handcuffs and two police, let loose to play the drums and then be cuffed again, like some sort of rock and roll lunatic. Maybe they could get us a straitjacket. The theatrics of this would be beautifully apt, I reckoned. I returned home that night with hope in my wee black nicotine fractured heart and ate a wonderful sausage supper from Tony's Chippery. As they say about me, I fall in the Clyde and come out with a fish. I wake up the next day on a Sunday, full of beans, or sausage supper, or Valium, or whatever, to check my mails and my messages. Turns out that it's a definite no-go for me that night. All of the press I found out by this stage, and if I was readmitted, then it would have a front-page story about how it's totally unfair that other punters been ejected for similar offences and a different rule for for the artists. I understood, but I was totally fucking crushed. My mum and dad had obviously decided to now not attend Teen the Park because it would be pointless without their fallen angel youngest child behind the kit. I wanted to stay in bed and feel sorry for myself. However, they tried to console me with a trip to Troon Beach. What the fuck? In hindsight, it was great for me. I really felt that I had no pals left in the world. I sat in Troon Beach in the nicest day of the year, face tripping me, occasionally greeting. It was during when the band was performing, about seven o'clock that night, and my mum noticed the girl walking past me on the beach with a LaFontaine's t-shirt on. The darkest emotion I've ever experienced. I had another greet when my Pizza Express came when we got back into Glasgow. I'd met a few folk I knew in the town, asking me why I wasn't up at Teen the Park. Was I not meant to be playing? And I put on Facebook that I was playing in the... It's got to be in the telly and all that sort of thing. The band's set managed to go okay, thanks to the talents of Ian Stewart, and of that, I'm eternally thankful. The band called a meeting a few days later in Bath Street, and they gave me a cuddle, and they knew how dreadful and genuinely guilty I felt. Still understandably furious, they told me to screw the nut and sober up. Of course, that weekend when I thought I'd screwed the nut, I was finally admitted to somewhere. It was Monkland's Hospital in Airdrie, where I was in a quarantined room for a week with a compromised pancreas and a right testicle the actual size of a can of tenants. Doctor's orders to lay off his spirit for good and not to drink for three months. Fair dues. Lesson learned. Sorta. <laughs> A few weeks later, the footage for Teen the Park went out to BBC and I noticed a few comments from my aunties telling me how good I looked at it on the TV and that they were all proud. They had no idea that it wasn't actually me. Rock and roll my ass. It's funny listening back to that story that I kind of feel sorry for you a bit. <laughs> So Not at the time. But at the time, I would have happily snapped you. Know? <laughs> I found that my mum. I found it a few it a few months later, but that that day, they thought um, that was when I, start, I started tiling with my dad the next day because they thought I was going to kill myself. 
getting on it and and maybe doing something daft, you would you've never no managed to beat a gig. Aye. So what if, aye, if, if, if aye. it wouldn't have been? I, I, I knew that I'd be getting at it and I'm going to be fine on be fine, Sunday. Which, which is why I, I assume it would have been like everybody would have been like, oh just let him go so then. So what the again, I've smoked this is finding it since then. It's a I just say it's my pal that works in a cafe in the wishy. And a few weeks later he was saying how did you enjoy that speed that I gave you? I was like, what are you talking about? So I mind them at 18 in the park and you came over and you were singing a few tunes in the guitar. And I was like, no. I go, how you came over? And he goes, you're Jamie boy, I've got far too much speed. We had a big bag yet. So I was like, all right. And then I've took it, knowing that I don't even take it or like it, but I had this big bag of speed that I forgot. was in my t- or don't remember putting in my top pocket. So when the police did pull it out, I was going... I was honest, because I was going, I don't know where that's came from. At what point did, did you think telling the police that you were in a band? So, I mean, just at this point, right, so the, the police are chucking you out of the festival. Oh, it's they, just think, they just think you're a punter, right? So, the only thing that's happened, because it's notorious, people with drugs up there, Aye. you were just getting launched out, so you could easily have come back in with us the next, on the Sunday. Aye, the, Nobody the, would have known the, the police. Aye, aye. See, if I wasn't as I would have been sensible enough to just go, right, see you later, and then I could have. Come back up with us. Phone no Artie, or went home, or phone Artie and goes, I've lost my band. Get me in. Because I didn't have any. I, I don't know. I think it's maybe when the police were doing it, thinking that's my one way them sort of. They would maybe go. Oh, right, right, you're one of the bands. Like, oh, he's, come oh, back in, mate. He's, 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 he's a drug dealer, but he is in a band. Oh, right, right. <laughs> Why didn't you see Why didn't you see Wayne House here last year? I'm sorry we didn't recognise you. <laughs> <laughs> and that was another oh, one to get... Oh, you can take as well. That, that's how that got confused with the, the Chinese whispers after it, that I was shouting at the police, going... Do you know do who I am? Do you know who I am? Do you know who I I was, I was just trying to explain to them I, I play in a band don't chuck me out because I need to be I need here, to be here. Right. more uh, than more than most it, people I <laughs> also like the fact that you're like fucking Julian Assange girl, but you get like escorted to the, the stage that would have been cool but wouldn't it that would have ah, been yeah, fucking right. meant it so I, from then what happened was that was a Friday so we must have went on a mad dash to try and I got a Saturday Friday I've went home and then I've just by slept. Saturday afternoon at about 3 o'clock we were in the rehearsal room with Ian. And with a new drummer. You all, I also got fucking three points in my licence that night because you, I, ran, I, like, I was trying to get to Ian Stewart as quick as possible to try and get a rehearsal because Ian had another gig or something as well so we had to get him. Aye. We only had three hours to rehearse with him to like, show him the full set which was to a clip track so he needs to play, learn these songs he never really heard probably and fucking learn him to click. So I was running through fucking red lights and everything to get him, pick him up, took him back to the studio in Hamilton Mad, insane, roasting, and sweaty rehearsal. And that week in, in Chem 19. Well, if it, that happened now, but you'd need to get Dave Grohl. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and to be fair to Ian, man, he pulled out of the bag. Right. I only remember this. So it was that three hour rehearsal, and then up at Tea in the Park, there was the wee kind of like MIDI kit set up like for, for the bands get to play, and we just come commandeered that and fucking oh. played that for That's us. That's it, no. Years. In fact, you know. Why I wanted to be there. I remember why I wanted to go up early in the team park. Snoop Dogg was playing the Friday and I was 
Dying. I was dying to meet him just to like get a joint with Snoop Dogg and get a photo with him and thinking I'll be able to do that because I'll be able to go anywhere I want. Aye. Uh, I mind that's why I really wanted to go up early. As well as going up on the bus and all that sort of thing. I wanted to go up for the weekend. I remember as well, the, so I, that was the Saturday then <coughs> and then Sunday when we went up. No, sorry, I had to go up on the Saturday then because there was... The press had got a holiday at the press area. Did we all go up? Because me and Finlay went up. Yeah. I remember me and Finlay we went, went up, up on the Saturday. And I remember being backstage trying to cut deals with like The Sun and The Daily Record to be like, no break the story because the, the consensus was that this would fucking end the career, which is nonsense you think about it. But yeah, obviously it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have helped. It wouldn't have helped it, no. It's, it's, you're, you're in a time now where the bad boy rock down doesn't not, help you. It would have helped. It wouldn't have helped if I, if I did get back and help us for the gig, but it'd be all the papers in a bad way sort of thing. Aye, wouldn't it be like, oh, incredible uh, Valium-ridden fucking drummer still <laughs> managed to pull off the set. Don't stop. Do you know what I mean? So I had to fucking, I remember Drumming just... out on bail to play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just remember trying to be like, please don't print this and fucking be sound, don't end a career sort of thing. And managing to stop it going. There was, at one point it was going to be front page, not this part of... <laughs> Fucking nonsense. And look where we are now. I know. Podcast ready. <laughs> Men okay. with our own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> here, see the old Wishy Market? Uh-huh. Is that what he used to... Is that, was that like a version of the, the bar is? Where you could go and get like chip PlayStation games and all that? Aye. Um, I just know the market, but then it was... It's like old nurses now, but it's... Just a... Sort of waste ground. It was just a calf park. Sort of thing, a big... But we had three buses we were able to meet in Central Machine. How did they chip your PlayStation? How did they do it? I read something about this not that long ago. I can't really remember. It was a thing that went in the back of it. Uh-huh. And then it, it... What did it bypass that it could allow you just to play every game? Something to do with regions. So games were region locked. Right. That's as much as I can remember. I remember... Because like, you'd think they'd be able to do it now. Nah, you don't really see me get pirate. No, I'm saying don't. computer games is the only one that's like Aye, uh, that's survived it. Uh, business is still booming. Aye, totally. I remember I had you a can't part. just illegally download. I, I suppose you can if you really good. Really I had a pal that uh, his mum worked in Blockbuster, and every Friday we'd go and get three games. I'd copy them because I had a oh, yeah, CD yeah, like a, a double disc tray. And I'd gone and punt all the games on Monday, and that's used to how I used to get my weekend money. I'd done it with CDs. Just burned them and sold them? Mm-hmm. Do you have a wee list? No, just, eh. Uh, uh, it wasn't as big a scale as that, it was just like, <laughs> just a couple of folk. <laughs> Maybe that's. Uh, it was just like three Do you want this Lincoln Park up? <laughs> I did. He'd come to me with a, an artist. <laughs> and I'd be like, I can do that for you. I remember buying a mini disc player. About four days before I bought for a thing. I bought DMX Grand Champ album on the old mini disc. Um, when was the first time I went to Tina Park? Rage Against the Machine, that was 2008. Eight. Round about then. Or 2007, maybe. I don't know, 2007 or 8. I want to say 8. 7 or 8. I'd, I'd, been, I'd been twice before then. So it was a, what age were you when you first went? 13 or something. I oh. went with my big cousin. Young to go up to Tina Park, innit? I always really, really wanted to go. I don't know. Just 
it was this big festival thing that was happening. First time I played Tina Park, or went to Tina Park was... When you played it? We played it. 2011? 2011. Just sit you down. <laughs> Dry you out. That's funny because you. I think I was there first to like, well, I can't believe it. Can you mind what we said to you? Screwing up. I think it was quite, was it not quite harsh? We're not like, you can never drink again. It was along the lines of that. It was harsh because it was, that was fucking, that was mega at that time. That was like a massive thing. You can't drink again. It was along the lines of that thing. I was like, well, it, Lucky for you, the doctor still let me know he's drank for months. <laughs> so I wasn't drinking anyway. I remember we played at uh, King Touch one night. With, was it with that? Boy for Reverend and the Makers and the Arctic Monkeys, but Mongrel. Mm-hmm. Oh, aye. And I, I don't know if it was that gig I'm thinking about, but I remember... It was one were, of the ones at King Touch. You were too slow to play. No, it was just... Uh, well, the first song we used to do, the Vulcan, or we had a funny count. Mm-hmm. Like a... Six count or something like that. Oh, aye. And it fucked you up. Aye. One of the times, but aye, it's a... That was another. I mean, that was... Crisis call. <laughs> <laughs> Shame again. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Any else you want to add to that? No. The bus, the Five Skin Express, did that run right up until Tina Park stopped? Eh... Uh, I think it did. And did he run a transmit one? No, I didn't run a transmit <laughs> one. Eh... Uh, Big Johnny. Notorious, man. Great big guy as well. Shout out to Big Johnny. Who gets pregnant on the bus, though? <laughs> I don't know, that's just my artistic license. <laughs> 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 I'm pretty sure they do flinging cans at the driver. Yeah. Here. But, uh, <laughs> just for driving. <laughs> I actually uh, just drove up. <laughs> and at one point I said it was a glorious sunshine. I think it was... Be a bit overcast. Oh, a liar. Just get a few of the a few of those facts straight. <laughs> <laughs> what did your mum and dad say to you? Oh, like, it's different now, but I mean, at the time I was like, oh, I'm, I got caught with a joint. All oh, right, so you 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 dialed down the severity of what you were caught with. I because when I was seeing my mum on the Saturday, there was still like. I, I can you could maybe go back I'm still getting to play I just I'm not allowed to be there the new <laughs> but I got caught with a joint yesterday because I smoked a joint <laughs> I smoked a joint at Tea in the Park stunk the place it and uh, I've <laughs> I'm blacklisted <laughs> yeah, and, uh, the police are just saying that I'm, I should go home and, and lie down <laughs> no I, said, I just said I get kicked out but I need to but I'll, I'll be alright to play I'll go back up on Sunday morning so they were kind of alright and that's how I was uh, we didn't get a pint that night and mushy and all that. <laughs> so I was still getting an escort on the stage, so I was fucking, I was mere buzzing. Aye, I was that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's cool as fuck, man. <laughs> so I was thinking Stuart Buttman for saving the day. What a guy. I know. What a guy. And um, I'm a man to Helen. Will she post a picture of me and Stuart? Post a video, there's a video I was playing on. YouTube, oh, right, fuck, of course. Thing. Aye, he, he looks 
Very much like Jamie. Or at least at the time. It was the million miles away, but uh, it was funny, Matt, like, she had a hang on Facebook and then man to hear him going, <laughs> well done, Jamie, you look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Best, That's why I Best him. drumming ever. Alcoholic 23-year-old. <laughs> How how did you end up going to hospital? Um, I was at a thirtieth at the weekend. I was with my mum and dad, and uh, I was doing a pee. Mm-hmm. So I was getting a few drinks that night. But I had to, it was it was a weekend after Tina Park, so, so you had to use it Thursday. You had to take any note of what we told you at all then. I think that was, you can't you can't drink ever at gigs. Exactly. Right, right. But on a Saturday I was at a family party. Same as fuck, guys. And it was all good. To, <laughs> I was allowed to be in the band again. For that family party. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Entourage. My mum was alright. I'm still the drummer, mum. So I was celebrating. Celebrating <laughs> <laughs> so a good old drink. No, I was getting. It's <laughs> a family party. I was doing a passion. I noticed that my right bob was big enough that. I wouldn't even say it to my dad or any of the other guys that were there. It was like, I'm saying that to my mum. Oh, right, right, like, you bypassed I'm not that, feeling mate. good in my right ball. Uh, never shoulder yeah. or that, but I was like, my right ball is the size of a golf ball or something like that. <sighs> and then I went home, just going to say you feel in the morning. And I woke up in the morning, I was fucked. Hey. How can't it make your balls so funny? So it's Sunday with glands. So my pancreas, the pancreas was fucked, but then the glands, which is similar to your, your mump, mm-hmm. the mumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically like having mumps in my boys, and my pancreas was fucked, and I was just like, oh, don't know what, what it was wrong, but it took us down to Wishy General. Enough that I knew I was ill enough, especially with my boy, to say to my mum, like, I'm going to go to hospital. Um, bye. <laughs> Which I uh, would name no dramatic like that sort of thing. Aye. No hypochondriac. Is that the word? Mm-hmm. Hypochondriac. Yeah. Uh, and then she took us into the hospital and I was freezing and roasting and had a bad fever and took us up to a speed room at Hair Myers and I was <laughs> much like the coronavirus. I was like in a room quarantined with just folk looking in the window and taking notes. <laughs> That's a drummer that wants to Bad boy rocker. <laughs> One big ball. <laughs> I was there for about four, four or five nights. Oft. Then that's when uh, they, they said, don't drink for about ten weeks. I didn't drink till the Motherwell Beer Festival. Late that September. So you'd listen to the doctor, but you weren't listening to your own band? Well, they said, don't drink. I did listen. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't drink, and then I did. Right. <laughs> anyway, good times, good story. Again, don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Donate to us on the Patreon. I think we will set up a Patreon for this so we can continue to fund our, our podcast addiction. <laughs> <laughs> Just love doing it so much. It's actually quite good to hear the stories again. I kind of forgot a lot about that time. Right. The memories. The memories. Um, so, uh, um, do you know what it's called, the podcast yet? I'm glad you called it the Laugh on Days podcast. Laugh on Days podcast. Real talk with the Laugh on Days. Real talk with the Laugh on Days. Big issue. Hey, please uh, keep sharing it with your friends and family. And cheers.
See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.